Awesome. It's great to be in church tonight, isn't it? I've been doing, um, I'm Pastor Julie, if you're a visitor to the church, and I'm sort of like the mum here, the mum of the house, and the grandmother now. So, I know, I look good, I know. (laughs) Hey, someone's got to tell me. I just tell me, I encourage myself in the Lord. Amen. (laughs) But um, for three weeks now, I've been doing, well, we're coming up to the third week of Prophetic Intensive, where... I've been teaching people who have a particular prophetic gift how to function in that, how to use that, what to do with that gift. It's been amazing. Who is here that doesn't know what a prophetic gift means? Yeah, so that's fine. Um, I'm not going to tell you you were the only one that put your hand up because that will embarrass you. (laughs) Because other people don't know what it means, but they're too embarrassed to put their hand up. So good on you. A prophetic gift is when, um, thanks Lisa, I'll be fine now, thanks. A prophetic gift is when um, God gives a gift to someone so that they can speak on behalf of God. So God's in heaven, we know that, and his people are on earth. And sometimes he really wants to communicate with his people other than through the scriptures or through just the unction of their own heart or and he wants to just say something to them, and he wants to communicate something with them. That means people in the church and people outside of the church, God wants to speak. And sometimes he will use people that have a gift to speak to people, and he will download something to them to say to people. And it will be God speaking to them, and he uses the vessel of a person. And it's really sweet. It's a beautiful... I have to stand up here because the lights have blown, apparently. It's a really beautiful, sweet gift. It's an incredible gift. And I've been so excited watching, you know, 40-odd people get a hold of this because, you know, people can get a handle on it in other ways so that they feel that they have this gift. Some people have it from birth. I had it from birth. And not being raised in a Christian home, not understanding why I could see inside of people, why I could sense things, why I could feel things, uh, why I kind of knew things were going to happen and, and various things. Maybe we can just turn that one fan off, just to make it a bit quieter. And some people don't even understand, they don't even know that, and so then they get sucked into the occult side of it or to a new age side of it where they begin to you know, do tarot card readings and psychics and all that kind of stuff. And they're really good people that have got great gifts, it's just that they've found the wrong source by which to express that gift. And I've really got a heart for people like that because I think they're, they're incredibly gifted. And that's why I want to teach on it and release this gift within the church and outside of the church so people understand this is a great gift. It's a beautiful gift. We don't communicate with the dead, by the way, in a prophetic gift. I don't talk to your grandmother or your uncle because, you know, it says it's, it's a portion to man who wants to die, to die once and then the judgment. Like they go, there's no one floating around here. No. When you die, you go wherever you're supposed to go and you don't get to hang around. And, and so that's a, that's a bit of deception. So we, but we talk to God on behalf of you people. Now, that's an amazing gift. It's an incredible gift. But when I was reading the scriptures this afternoon, because I had another message to preach and I just went, God, you don't want to say this, do you? And he goes, no, I want to say something different. And so I was reading this Joel 2.28 and let's just read it. And he says this, and afterward, now Joel is a prophetic preacher. He's prophetic in the sense that he's speaking about something that's coming forward. It's, 
is coming in another time to what he lives in. So Joel is in the Old Testament. He's speaking about something that's going to come in the New Testament. And he's talking now about something that's going to come in the end of the New Testament, you know, towards the last days. Because he said, and afterward, and the right interpretation of that is in the last days. So he says, and in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Everyone say all people. All people. Your sons, that's right, sweetheart, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, when I read this scripture, I don't just see a few chosen people with a gift who prophesy and speak on behalf of God. But I see in this scripture that there would be a prophetic people, that there would be a people that would be able to download something from heaven and bring it to a dying world, a hurting world. Yes, there are people with specific prophetic gifts, but I don't think that discounts that all of us should be able to prophesy. All of us should be able to bring a message from God to, to mankind, even if it's just that we've read the scriptures, we know what's going on, and therefore we can say to them, it's okay. You know, when I have young people say to me, is the world going to end? You know, I'm scared. Is the world going to end? You know, what's going on? I can say, it's okay. As long as you know Jesus, you're safe. Jesus will protect you. See, I'm bringing a prophecy. I'm bringing a prophetic word because it's not happened yet. But because I read about it in the word of God, I can speak comfort and encouragement to a young person because I am a prophetic person. Why why are we all prophetic people? Because we know what's going to happen. Because we've read about it. Isn't it? Because what's the prophetic? Rather than either telling the future or, or, you know, hearing the voice of God for mankind. So... When I read Joel, I don't just see a few chosen people rising up. I see a prophetic people, a prophetic people rising up. And, and I said to the Lord, why would you pick this expression of yourself? Because you know that the gifts of the Spirit are expressions of the heart of God and things that we need in the church to help us grow into mature Christians. Why would you not pick the teaching gift to pour out on all flesh? Why would you not pick other things? Evangelism. We need to get them all saved. Let's just raise up a whole company of evangelists. Why would you pick this gift? And I was asking the Lord about it this afternoon afternoon, and he said this. He said to me, because as things heat up, I am desperately wanting to communicate with people. And people desperately need to know that I care for them. You see, we can preach the gospel and we can, we, can, we can go out there and we can tell them. But when they feel that we are really communicating with God and hearing the heart of God and we're able to really communicate the reality of a living God that we have relationship with, that is in the now, that is living, that is real, that is tangible, that is experiential, that we can feel him, we can breathe him, we know him, we talk to him daily. When they see that, they're going to want God and they'll get saved anyway because you can see the fulfillment of that scripture says in verse 32, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the fulfillment or the, or the product of a whole 
prophetic people arising across the earth will be that people will be saved. That's what the scripture says. People will be saved. All those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Someone might need to call on the name of the Lord through you. And we're not priests like the Catholic Church. They don't have to come through us to get to God. But definitely, they may come to us and say to us, you know, I need to call on God. I don't know how. Will you teach me? And Gail had a friend 26 years. She's been a friend of Gail's. And she's watched Gail go from uh, probably a hippie sort of alternate person with all those things, with all the things that go with that. We won't talk about it because the children are in the room. And she's watched her go from that and into this incredibly dynamic Christian woman who has just got so much love and she just shines the light of Christ wherever she goes. And this woman's been observing her for 26 years. And finally, this woman who is still in that hippie lifestyle, still in that lifestyle of drugs and whatever, finally, she, she speaks out and she says to Gail, I want the right words here, Gail, what she said, because I wrote it down. I thought it was so profound. Uh, she says to Gail, Gail, tell me more about your Jesus. You see, she needed to call out to Jesus through Gail. Why? Because she knew that, that Gail knew Jesus in a way that she didn't understand how to know Jesus and therefore she wanted to know her Jesus. Now, I've heard about other people's Jesus. I've heard about the Jesus that is harsh, that is cold, that he won't let me in his church. I've heard about the God that judges me. I've heard about all the rules and regulations, all the hoops that I have to jump through to please him. I've heard about that God. I've heard about that Jesus. But Gal, tell me about your Jesus. Because he doesn't seem like that to me. He doesn't seem like that. Your Jesus seems like he's kind and he's good. And your Jesus seems like he would accept even a drug addict like me because he accepted you, didn't he? <laughs> and changed you. And, and one of the incredible things is that Gail said to me, you know, it's because I haven't changed really in my love for people. I haven't become judgmental. I haven't become so much a Christian that I'm of no earthly use anymore. I haven't, I haven't separated myself from the lost and the hurting and the dying. I haven't stuck my nose up in the air and thought that I was better. See, to me, to that woman, Gail is still approachable and therefore her Jesus is approachable. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I'm talking about prophetic people, not just a prophetic gift. Do you know that we're all called to evangelize? We're all called to evangelize. We're all called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, there are some that, who are evangelists, who can speak about pizza and get people saved. But we're all called to evangelize. So, you know, there are prophetic people who would have accurate words and know people's names and, and, and you know, things like that. 
But we're all called to prophesy. Are we starting to get this? There are people, there are people within the church, and I'm talking about within and outside the church. I'm talking about within too. Let me talk about within the church for a minute. There are people within the church that are just longing that someone would just get them. Someone would just understand them, that someone would be able to look deeper than the surface that they present and find them. Because we all have our masks, we all have our faces, we all have our pretenses and we come to church and someone says, how are you doing? We say, great. But it's not great. And our face may not tell that. We may have a great poker face. We go, great, kids are great, wife is great. But actually, we're about to be divorced. The kids are ratty. I'm broke. You know, I'm sick. I'm about to just, you know, I, I feel depressed. I'm about to go and have counselling. But no one in the church better know about it because I'm supposed to be a nice Christian. You know, really, that is so wrong. And if we are a prophetic people, we would really look at each other. And if we were a prophetic people, we would hear the heartbeat of God for people. And when, some, when, when one of our brothers or sisters is hurting, the Bible says the whole body hurts. You know, when one is hurting, the whole body hurts, the whole church hurts. And maybe you're hurting for someone else and you don't even realise it because you're not thinking that you're very prophetic or that you really have that kind of insight. And there may be someone that walks past you in church and you say, oh, I can sense something's going on with that person, but the prophetic gift of person will pick that up. I'll leave it to them. It's like Garth said, just leave it to everybody else. But actually, you might be the very person that God has put in place to just, look, you don't have to go up and say, thus saith the Lord. You know, I saw you in the dark hours of the night when I was praying. You don't have to be, you know, weird or religious or freaky. You don't have to be somebody else. You just be you. And you're just simply going up to someone and say, how are you doing? And they go, great. And they go, are you really great? Are you really great? Like, do you want to have a coffee? Do you need a friend? Like, I don't know. You know, I'm just, like, I've, I've had you on my heart lately. And you'd be amazed how quickly people will open up to you because you've been a little bit prophetic. You've looked inside their eyes and you've looked inside their heart and you said, I'm not happy to just be in the surface here with you. I want to get deeper and find out who you are, what makes you tick, and how can Jesus love you better? Because we're representing him. Is that right? That's good. I've shared this story a few times with people and I want to share it again because it's such a profound story that the Lord showed me. When when I was growing up, we were one of six, six, I was one of six kids, so there was eight in our family and and it was crazy. We never had much money. We, you know, we used to, we used to have a, one, if we had a treat, it would be like, you know, um, dad would go to the pub. And we would all sit in the car while he went and had his beer. And then he would come out and he would just bring one really large sarsaparilla drink and six straws. And it was just who could suck the fastest. And we'd all just stare at each other. He's going, you know. And, um, and then another treat that he would buy is just like a box of Jaffers. 
and it was like you weren't allowed to bite it. You had to suck it till it got down to the little hard bit in the middle and when you stuck your tongue out and we could say you had the hard bit, you could have another one. So we just all stare at each other and go... You know, I saw you bite it. You know, just like... So it was that, you know, but we were happy. Anyway, Dad, he would come up with creative ways on how to entertain us. And one of those creative ways is back in those days, you could go to the local rubbish tip. You're not allowed to anymore, but you used to be able to then. And you could just find treasures. And so he'd say, we're going on a treasure hunt. And he'd pack all the six keys into the station wagon. No seatbelts in those days, guys. We would just play all the, whoa, going around the the corners. Everybody fall this way. Everybody fall this way. It was so much fun. No seatbelts, nothing. And we'd arrive at um, at the tip and it would just be mess and smell and junk. And we had our little buckets and our little space. And off we go. He'd go, go find a treasure. He'd be just like, and we'd all run. And all, I just, all my brothers and sisters, they would just run over the top of the piles because I was so lazy, so lazy. I did all the housework. They just run over the top of the mess all the time. And and I says, no, I'm wise. I'm going to find the best treasure. And I know you're going to find the best treasure in the places that no one wants to look. So I would dig into the deepest, darkest, gooeyest, smelliest place, way down in the guts of that tip. I just get my little shovel and, and you know, and I would always find the best treasure and I'd wash it and I'd brag about it to the other kids and take it home, put it on the mantelpiece. And one day the Lord was speaking to me and he said to me, Julie, you know, I've given you a gift to see inside the human heart. And I said, I know God, I know. And he said, He said, inside every human heart is a treasure. And many people just run over the rubbish tips of their lives and never see beyond the surface. But I want you to go and to raise the people up that will go to the very core of a person's heart, won't look at their rubbish, won't look at the smells around their life, won't care about the junk, but will go and find the treasure inside every human being, bring it out, polish it, and I'll put it on my mantelpiece in heaven, you know. And that's what it's like to be a prophetic people is looking for the treasure. Looking for the treasure. Every human being is a treasure to God. Every human being was created by him. Every human being has some good, something that we can find if we look hard enough. Amen. There are people who want to know out there that God knows them. And there are people that want to know in here that he knows about their struggles and that he knows about their desires and he's interested in every facet of their lives like every father should be in their children. Amen? And I was thinking about the message that is out there that's going out to our young people, you know, having a 15-year-old daughter at home still. I see a lot of stuff. And last night I watched the American Music Awards. And I mean, give me a break. Like, I mean, when we watched the American Music Awards, it was Stevie Wonder, there was Michael Jackson. You know, I mean, there was talent. And there was even ones that I didn't like that, you know, um, Mick Jagger and all these guys, like... That, you know, but they were talented. And now I'm looking at these people and I think they're just on some sort of trip and all they can sell is sex. That's it. 
All I can sell is sex. That's it. And whenever anybody tries to do anything different, the, the kids don't want it. But isn't it amazing that the sweet, pure little girl, what's her name, that girl? Taylor Swift takes out, takes out, takes out the, 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 the whole talent of the whole year of everyone. Over all these girls that are strutting their stuff, doing their shimmies, letting their boobies hang out and everything, like doing, selling their soul basically to get a message across and this little girl gets up there and sweet as anything and just takes it home. And I think there's a message in that. I think there's a shift going on. I think now there's a, that, that people are sick of and tired of the message they're being given and especially the message to young girls that's out there right now that's saying, unless you're sexy, I don't want to know about you. Basically, unless you can shake your booty, I'm not, go, I'm not your friend. Unless I can go home with you, you're nothing, you're worth nothing. That's basically what every song is saying that, my, my, that kids are listening to. And I'm grieved by that because my, my 15-year-old daughter is an absolute princess. And I tell you what, mate, she's not going to shake her booty for no boy. Yeah. And they better just get some shoes on, come and pick her up and some roses and they better treat her decent or they can out. But I was listening to this song and I know it's Bruno Mars and I know he's like, he does that other song that he almost swears in and all that sort of stuff. Um, You can leave that swear word out, it's not a bad song. But... um, but this song, I just was listening to it, I thought, how beautiful is it? How beautiful would a girl feel if someone said this to her? When I see your face, there's not a thing that I would change because you're amazing just the way you are. And when you smile, the whole world stops and stares for a while because, girl, you're amazing just the way you are. I'm telling you, boys, you sing a song of that to a girl, she's yours. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours, she says. That's how he got her, he says. But at the heart of all mankind, you see, this Bruno Mars doesn't know it, but he's actually prophesying what God wants to say to a generation. God wants to say to a generation, you're amazing just the way you are. You don't have to do, shake your booty, you don't have to do the stuff, you don't have to sell your soul to the devil. You're amazing just the way you are. Amen? Amen. <laughs> And I think every one of us, no matter what age group we are, no matter what music we're listening to, no matter what influences come into our lives, every one of us lives in a negative world. We live in a world that is continuously bringing us down. No matter where we go, we're in conflict and we've always got people that don't like us and we've got stuff going on. We've got a devil that hates us. We've got stuff all around us. We've got our childhoods to deal with and the things that were said as we were growing up. We've got all this stuff going on inside of us. And for goodness sake, in the midst of all that, would somebody please come and give me one word of encouragement in all this, in all this. Oh, Jesus, I love him. I love him. I love him. You know, it's amazing here that it says, it says here in Romans 10, 13 to 15, it's amazing that, that in the scripture, I think it's Paul that wrote, is it Paul that wrote Romans? Anyway, Paul is repeating this line. He's repeating the line from Joel, just that one line. And he said, everyone who calls on the name will be saved. 
right? Then he goes on to explain it a little bit more. He says, how then can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have good news. And it doesn't have to be so profound. Just to say to someone, you're amazing just the way you are. When you smile, the whole world lights up and stands still for a minute. I mean, what would that make you feel like? And guys, what would it make you feel like if someone said to you, you are the strongest, most valiant man I've ever come across in my life. God says you're a warrior. He says you're going to take on giants. You're going to defeat them. You're going to stand up. You're going to defend the women that are around you and the girls that are around you. You're going to treat them like princesses. You're going to be a valiant warrior. You're going to lay down your cloak for the women. You're going to fight off the bad guys for them. How would you feel if I said that to you? And that was God speaks to you, you just rise up on the inside, you just go, Oi, yes, bring it on. You know, because you're amazing. You're amazing. God thinks you're amazing. God thinks you're amazing. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3 to 5, it says, But everyone, everyone say, Everyone. Everyone say, Everyone. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their exhortation, and it says there another word, but I'm using a different translation, for their exhortation, encouragement, and comfort. So it's like this is the basic rule that I teach prophetic people. If you can just stick with this rule, you're fine. Encourage people, exhort people, comfort people. You know, don't get all weird and flaky and talk about, you know, you know, a snake that you saw sliding down the wall and a bear that's coming to get them. But not like, just tell them that God loves them. He loves them. They know about all the weird stuff in their lives. They don't need more weird. They need stable. They need love. They need comfort. They need encouragement. Encourage each other. You know, the scriptures talk about come together and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Lift one another up while it's still day. Speak words to one another. Love one another. Slap each other. Get rid of that whole Aussie thing of, you know, this mocking thing of running each other down for fun. No. No, you're amazing. Just the way you are. Girl, you're amazing. I like that song. Just the way. It's really good. You sing it to me, Phil, please. Okay, learn it. Learn it. You've got... No wonder your daughter can't talk to you at 15. It's got to get in the know. Who? Not me. Gemma and him. He's, he's, got, he's found a connection. I thought I got rid of Jimi Hendrix. I thought he'd gone from my house. I thought I had, you know, I'd excommunicated him. I had delivered my house of Jimi Hendrix. And then Phil says, you know, Gemma, I've got a music you might like. 
And she go and she listened to Jimmy Hendrix. And she said, oh, I love that, Dad. Now she wants to get Jimi Hendrix posters and it's like, out in Jesus' name, out. Thought you were dead. Go away. Amen. I mean, I gave up Stevie Wonder years ago. I grew up. (laughs) Exhortation, encouragement, and comfort. (laughs) I was just giving you an example there of what not not to do. Okay. (laughs) Revelations 19.10b says this, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we speak to people on behalf of or representing Jesus, we must have the spirit of Jesus inside of us. And it's the same spirit of Jesus that represents him. I mean, like, we have to have his heart. At the end of the day, we have to have the heart of Jesus. And the only way you can have the heart of Jesus is that everything you say must be saturated in love. You know, you must, look guys, we're the church. We should have the most love in the whole world pumping out of here. It's got to be saturated in love. So 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says this, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Philippians 2, 1 to 5, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be that. No, come on. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Amen? The same as Christ Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And just like that lady said to Gail, you know, I want your Jesus. I want your Jesus. It's because she carries the spirit of Jesus. And that's, that's his testimony inside of her is the prophecy that goes out. Sometimes you don't even need to speak for prophecy to go out. You know, you can be a prophetic people and be quiet. Preach the gospel if necessary. Use words. Your life is a prophetic light unto this world. Your light will shine in the darkness we sing tonight. We're all called to be like Jesus and bring good news to the church and beyond. Luke 4, 18 to 19 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You know, Jesus stood up in the temple read this scripture, which originally was from Isaiah, a prophetic scripture in Isaiah that spoke of a day when the Messiah would come and bring this kind of anointing. And he stood up in the temple, opened the scroll, read this scripture from Isaiah and said, Today, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your sight. 
He was saying that he came to completely fulfill this scripture. But see, Jesus paid the price for our sin, died on a sinner's cross, rose again on the third day and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And before he left this earth, he said to us, everything I have, you take it. You go. He gave us the same anointing that was on his life. He gave us through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, this is what Jesus had spoken of when he says, I have to go. I can't stay here. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit can't come. You see, if he would have stayed, he would have just been one man going around trying to reach the whole world. But Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit would come. And when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit fills every single believer, then every single believer then has the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the testimony of Jesus, to go out and do exactly what this says. And it doesn't say, those who have a prophetic gift will. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is on me. Everyone say me. Just go like that. Say, the Spirit of the Lord God is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Amen. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you to get into people's lives, to unlock their prisons in their hearts, to bring healing to their pain, to open up their eyes where they could not see God and let them see God. Amen? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you to tell them that they are in favour with God. He's not cranky. He's not angry. He loves them. Amen? 2 Peter 1.21, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. As you're carried along by the Holy Spirit, you can't help but prophesy. You can't help but tell good news. You can't help but break chains off and set captives free and open eyes to the truth. You know, I I was in um, an unusual situation. Uh, I think it was just last week. And because of my age, the doctor said, I have to go and have some tests that are normal for my age. Now I'm a grandmother, Luke. You know, you have to have grandmother tests now. Anyway, so he said that I had to do some, because of the family heart history, I have to do some heart tests. So, so they sent me to this stress test and I had to get onto this, um, this one of those things, which I've never used before. Treadmill. Yeah, Treadmill. And uh, I had to get on a treadmill and then so they just said, you just keep walking and then every three minutes we'll just increase the, the slope of it and the speed of it. Oh, no worries, you know, I'm fine. I'm looking at me, I'm a fit granny. And so I'm on there and there's a, there's a cardiologist sitting there, there's a nurse that's taking my blood pressure every couple of minutes or whatever and there's a cardiologist sitting there who's just doing this and watching, you know, all the dots go through and all the little lines and, and doing this. Oh, this is Okay. So I'm on there and I'm just starting like this. It was the day that we had 39, 40 degrees, 39 degrees, I think it was. <laughs> so I'm on there, I'm thinking, I'm going to show these guys how fit a granny can be. And I'm up there, I'm, you know, doing my thing. 
And the cardiologist is sitting there going like this and everything. And I'm thinking, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Just keep breathing, just keep breathing, Julie. I'm going to show these guys my heart's fit and, and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, in the middle of this, this cardiologist said, so what do you do for a living? Oh, okay, um, okay, I'm a pastor. And he looks at me like, I said, no, not the kind you eat. Um, you know, it's not Italian. I'm not an Italian pastor. People don't understand what pastor is. So I go, I'm a minister. Then they look at you even weirder because you're supposed to have a collar on and a black cape and you're supposed to carry some sort of stick whack people with or something like that. And they just look at you weird. I go, oh, oh he says, so you're a female minister. That's weird. I said, yeah, um, that's real. I'm just trying to breathe, trying to breathe. And, um, and he goes, oh, I've been wanting to talk to someone like you because I've been reading these books. And, you know, I'm reading a book at the moment about an uh, ecumenical, ecumenical um, bishop uh, who's writing a book called um, How to Disprove the Existence of God. Oh. I said, oh, that's strange. How could he be a bishop and be writing a book about disproving God? And, um, and he goes, oh, and he gives me all these facts and figures and da 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 And then we go on to talk about how this guy had given his whole life, his whole life, he'd gone out of the ministry and given his whole life to writing this book because people should know that God doesn't exist. This is my life work and everyone should know it. And anybody who has any hope, I will quench it. And this is his life work. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And, um, and then he was going on asking me all kinds of other questions about other things and I'm still trying to, <laughs> now I'm puffing out. It's like, do you really want to do this now? Like, and, um, and so then he says, look, you know, I, every now and again I look at this God thing and he starts coming up with all this intellectual stuff, all the books that he'd read, all the theological books that he'd read, all this stuff that he'd read. And I'm thinking, where is my husband when I need him? I am, I am not an intellect. I don't want to talk with an intellect. I don't like intellects very much when I talk to them because I'm experiential and they think I'm weird and, and flaky and flowery and they just want to get down to facts and I find facts boring. And so I'm trying to talk to this guy and I'm thinking, oh, so I'm trying to shut it down now because I'm running out of breath and I'm going, anyway, I start to run off the back, you know, like I'm not going, because <laughs> going so, it's going so fast that I'm doing this now and she's taking my blood pressure. She said, your blood pressure is going through the roof. I said, no wonder. Anyway, so I finally said, I've had enough, because you can call it quits whenever you want to. And he said, are you sure you've had enough? You're not very fit. And I said, I don't care what you think. I'm sitting down. <laughs> so I sit down and it's good. Now I've got you um, sitting down, and while your heart rate's going down, I'll ask you some more questions. And he started asking me more questions and more questions. And it was just, and, and I just thought, do you know what? I may not be intellectual. I may not have all the answers for this guy. But I have Jesus, and he doesn't. Amen? So he said, have you got anything to say for yourself on, in your defense? And I said, look, you're an intellectual. I'm experiential. So it's really difficult for me to speak to you at your level, so I'm not even going to try. But I'll tell you this. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. And all the books that you've read just sound like a lot of arguments to me. I don't hear one bit of experience. But I want to tell you this. I've seen him. He's spoken to me. I've looked into his eyes. My life was changed because of him. 
15 years later, all my kids' lives are changed because of him. My kids have been raised in the church. They're the best kids the world's ever seen. Now my grandkids are there. My family is united. I've got the most amazing church. And now I've seen three generations of kids coming off the street who had no families, who have had crazy mixed-up lives, and now they've got their own children. They're married. They've got jobs. I said, listen, even if I'm wrong, I would rather spend my whole life giving people hope, joy, love, comfort, unity, community, than sit there and write a filthy, stinking book that kills hope in mankind and tells us that we we have no eternal life. And he just looked at me and he said, it's the best argument I've ever heard in the 15 years that I've been... Because why? Because the spirit of Jesus is in me. Thank you, team. You can come up. Because the spirit of Jesus is in me. And let me tell you tonight, the spirit of Jesus is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And if Jesus is not in you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You know, it was just like, you know, I was in a place when I was 21 where I was just seeking God and wondering if God was real. And Jesus did appear to me and he spoke to me and he said, if you, if you speak my name, you will be saved. And I knew I needed saving, but I just didn't quite understand who he was or what it all meant. He said, speak my name and you'll be saved. And I went to say, I don't know your name. I'd never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, never been near another Christian. I don't know your name. And then something inside of me just bubbled up and I just went, Jesus. And as soon as I said that name, Jesus, it was like life came into me. It was like the lights were turned on. It was like rivers of living water flowing through me, healing all my past, healing all my pain. It was like finally I wasn't just lost and floating around in the world. I was connected to a purpose and a plan. I understood who I was and I understood who he was and I understood that I would follow him for the rest of my life into eternity. I would follow this man because this man is Jesus. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet and close our eyes right across this room. Tonight I've been speaking about Jesus speaking to you. And maybe you just, just the keyboards for a minute. Maybe you just never, ever heard the name of Jesus. Or maybe you've been in churches, but you know, and you just say, I want your Jesus, Julie. I mean, I've known a form of Jesus. Maybe I've heard about him. I've even gone to church, maybe. But this Jesus that you're speaking about that loves all men. I want him, every eye closed, right across this room. If you want to know Jesus tonight, it's just a simple prayer. Just like I said, all I said was his name. Speak my name, you'll be saved. I said, Jesus. Because I believed in him instantly. He says, if we believe in him, if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we will be saved. And that's eternally, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. There's no end to his love. If you're in this room tonight and you don't really have that assurance of your salvation or eternal life while every eye is closed right across this room. Just lift up your hand. I want to pray with you. Just lift up your hand right now. I'm going to pray with you. I just want to pray with you quickly. You might say, Julie, yeah, I've been to church. I've done a whole bunch of church, but I still don't feel sure. I'm not sure. 
Lift up your hand now. I'm going to pray with you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone's saved. You know, I want to encourage you, Christian. There's a light that's inside of you that this world desperately needs. And you don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to be a monk. You don't have to be hours in prayer and fasting before God can use you. God just wants to speak so desperately. He uses donkeys. All you've got to say is, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing, God, to love people on behalf of you. I'm willing to love my brothers and sisters in this church. I'm willing to love mankind. I'm willing to represent you and to represent you to this world. If that's you tonight, just lift your hand up high and say, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. Hands going up all over this room. I'm willing to represent you, Lord. I'm willing to speak on your behalf. I'm willing to go to another level of speaking for you, God, of loving people and encouraging people.